Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 6th, 2011. Newcomers should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for free for download. There's hundreds to choose from and hopefully, hopefully you will get shortcuts to understanding this big picture of the system or the matrix in which you've been born into and which pre-existed you, your parents, your grandparents and, and for many uh, previous generations before you because that's what you're born into, a very complex system where everything is conned. It's conology, I actually call it. The art of conology is controlling the whole world's populations and giving them basically f- fake realities or at least fake reasons for those particular realities as they actually happen in various instances within them too. So that's what I hope to do and show you the big organizations that have been here for an awful long time which uh, interlock with each other uh, from economics all down the way, uh, right down to the bottom governance level, and how they, they basically plan the future 50, 100 years ahead at a time, like any big business plan. And all big corporations actually do that. They, even their business plans are about 50 years ahead, sometimes more. That's what you're living in, the world corporation. Before you had individual nations, with it, which were really just corporations, and amalgamating them all, it's just a sort of takeover process is going on right now. They amalgamate them all into one global system, and they hammer out the details amongst themselves to share the loot and to find out who owns the rights to tax the slaves and how to use them and so on. That's really what it's all about. It's as basic, basic as that, to be honest with you. It truly is. And the media's job is to keep you in confusion and to give you the latest target, the, the, the latest uh, Hitler the, the latest Antichrist, where the guns are trained so that the big guys can go in and plunder for themselves. It's, it's quite straightforward. There's nothing you have to really um, figure out for yourselves once you understand the process. Of the, re- the real world, it's a brutal world, and it's always really been that way. Uh, today, they have a bit, much better way of covering it over with suits and ties instead of uniforms and soothing words through PR companies as they plunder the planet and use you to your full extent so that they can profit from you. That's really how the system works. So look into cuttingthroughdomatics.com, buy the books and discs I have for sale, hopefully, and you can keep me going. The U.S. to Canada, you can use personal check or international uh, postal money order. You can send cash or you can use PayPal to order. Use the nation button you'll see on the com site, and follow it with an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the world, same idea. You've got PayPal to order or donate, and you've got um, Western Union or MoneyGram. It's up to yourselves how you want to do it. But, as I say, the world we're living in is, is quite something. It's all based on economics and money and profit and all the rest of it. And it, it really plays on fear factors. Everyone is terrified in a money system of being poor and being out of a home, uh, out of food, heat, all the basic things you need to live. And it really it makes sure, in fact, this system 
of personal reward uh, in financial terms and make sure that the psychopaths naturally get up to the top. They claw their way up because they're very cunning, they're true survivors, and they have no, no uh, emotional qualms about using people on the way up or even destroying people on the way up. And, of course, once they are at the top, they don't really care much about how many people they destroy once they rule over them either, to be honest with you. And you, they, have, they can cooperate with each other. They do. They form their clubs, their groups, their special G20 organizations, stuff like that, stuff that is para-governmental, you might call it, because we didn't give anybody permission, any, any nation, to form these big super global clubs that they all go to using your tax money. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and just mentioning that the system is very, very old. Uh, the other day I went on about kings and queens and how they got to top the top of the power by slaughtering neighboring peoples and then taking over their lands. Uh, again, they had to work hand in, in glove with those other types of royalties, those who were in charge of the money system down through the ages. And they've always been the same people in charge of the money for the last couple of thousand years. That's no uh, hard thing to find out for yourselves. And uh, even the Catholic Church forbid usury except for one group. And people should be surprised that, that uh, a kind of kingly association of aristocratic people dealing with money developed over a very short period of time and blossomed in the present orders of today, still running the whole show. Uh, people don't give up that which they have gained in power. And money, of course, is power. The kings, of course, used to simply tax the public for their wars and so on. And other times they would borrow money from the moneylenders and put the people down as collateral to pay it off. And nothing has really changed from those particular days. Uh, money rules the system, money rules the world, and as long as money exists and people have the right to create it out of thin air or indefinitely control it, uh, then you'll get the biggest uh, top psychopaths, very intelligent psychopaths, get into, the, into that field. And, uh, of course, many of them are interbred too, there's no doubt, just like kings and queens, because money marries money, power marries power, and therefore those who started off as being very vicious naturally have more of a chance of having the same kind of offspring, especially when you give them the same kind of training. So nothing has changed really for an awful long time, except that academia is now on board, they're part of the big team, they're team players as I like to say, along with the money boys and the governance boys. And they have taken what they claim is their rightful place to manage the world, a world that basically has turned into mainly an atheistic kind of society across the whole board. And science has been put up there in charge, or, or really as the new the god, enthroned as a new god, I should say. And Bertrand Russell and others talked about the scientific dictatorship that would come, that was planned to come and how under a kind of socialist organization uh, they would manage everybody's lives through agencies and expert rule and all this kind of stuff. That's where you are today. Young Rose with this nuclear crisis, for instance, uh, on a week ago or so on the Saturday, actually it was the, 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 the day they started bombing Libya, 
uh, someone had switched uh, the media off as far as, as, far as Japan uh, was concerned. It just didn't happen anymore. Canada gave 40-odd minutes to Libya on its news, and it gave about 15 seconds to Japan, which had taken a back seat. That's because a decision obviously was made at a high international council to, to govern the media, get them all on board, meaning they were already on board, and they were given the order just to keep quiet about it because you're all under emergency management. Emergency management means you tell the people nothing. And what you do tell them at all is very simplistic, very brief, and it's meant for children. They're there. Don't worry. Daddy will kiss it all better. That's really the stories that you're getting now. And when I was thinking last night, you know, when the European Commission and the U.S. EPA and Canada's commission end up changing uh, the safe the limits for radi- radiation in the food, in the air, and in your body, for instance, and your water. When they change it uh, into a new high uh, level, which is now the new low level, and the new the, the old high level used to begin into the lethal range. Now you're starting off at the lethal range and getting higher. That should tell you that you're under crisis management and they've already had their big discussions. They know that a lot of people are going to die over the years of various kinds of radiation poisoning, tumors and um, that kind of stuff, sterilizations, which is all, mind you, goes along with the depopulation agenda. And um, and they're, they're basically treating us like children. And that's not unusual because they do, they do the same in wartime too. They've had plenty of practice on on using public relations companies to treat us like children. And unfortunately, we're so dumbed down and stupid today that most folk are are really children their whole lives. That's why you see adults walking around dressed as though they were in music television when they're in their 50s and 60s. It's just amazing how they've created this, this youth culture that you're not supposed to ever grow out of. They don't really like adults at all, you know, and they really certainly don't like older people because older people used to have wisdom accumulated over their lifetime of personal experience with watching the world, watching politicians and the games they play. But it's ideal when you have separated generations and you've taught the young always to uh, basically dismiss anybody who's older than about 30 or 40. Uh, That's why you have such ridiculously young actors playing professionals in television, dramas and movies. It's to make you think that anyone older, obviously, is senile, and therefore you ignore them. That was all intentional. And, um, and But as I say, it's worked very well, because in every major city now, you'll see mainly it's the women who are trying to dress like the dancers and much on music television, and it looks absolutely ridiculous. But we are dumbed down and stupefied, as I say, and most people really out there are quite content with the news they get. They're quite content because they have been taught, and, and again, Russell and many others talked about this, the public would come, become trained, and they'd, become to, they'd come to like their masters, in a sense. And they do. They do expect government to take care of them, and that's not what the government's in the business of doing, actually, but that's what you think they're, that they're there for. That's what you're encouraged to think they're there for. And, um, and you don't have to worry about big events in the world because... Uh, the media, as Brzezinski said, will do your reasoning for you. You expect them to do your reasoning for you. And so when the same media uh, can go on a hype and a hype and a hype about global warming, for instance, 
to get a, a social change put through where you're going to go into austerity, of course. That's the whole purpose of it, with more layers of specialists and academics on top of you. And they can also hype up a fake flu uh, epidemics to, to flog billions of dollars worth of uh, flu shots. Uh, the same media can suddenly go quiet on something which is real, like radiation. Why would you ever want to trust the media again? Eh? Hmm. And yet I've watched this before when things have happened in the past. And sure, as blazes, and then people are immediately prattling on about the media a month later, as though suddenly they're telling you some truth again. See, they never told you the truth. I've gone through the history of how the media corporations were formed a long time ago. And Rockefeller was the first guy to form his little group with Gould and others to find out how many major newspapers they'd have to buy up uh, that would then influence the remaining newspapers. In other words, the smaller ones would copy the bigger ones. And they actually came down to to, uh, uh, a decided number of all that they would have to own to make it so. And that's been done a long, long time ago. And the same with all your newswires, Reuters, was started up by the Rothschilds, by the way. And at the same time, they started up the Interpol, because they own that too. And um, you have the API and, and others, but they're all basically run by the same groups to make sure you'll get the standard indoctrination and propaganda that you're supposed to get. Any truly alternative uh, out there on a mainstream scale would not get off the ground. It would not get off the ground any more than people who've tried to start up their car companies in the States uh, got off the ground when the big boys teamed up against them. They could even get parts uh, to, to get the particular cars going. And some did try that and suffered for it. That's the real world you live in. It's, it's, it's violent. Uh, business is not a pleasant thing at all. And it's very aggressive at the top. And once the cartels formed uh, a long, long time ago and cornered all the markets, they don't allow intruders to come into it. It's the same when they knew darn well they were going to give the public the internet back in the, well, back in the 1970s, early 70s, when Brzezinski talked about it in between two ages. Uh, a communications system that would change the world for the public. Uh, they knew then that they'd also have to make sure that they controlled what they called information uh, technology, information wars, they called it, because they could never allow uh, the public to start to figure out amongst themselves what the truth was. Neither could they allow any truly uh, high up position to even inadvertently put out truth to the public. So uh, we're so controlled. That's how bad the system is in which we're born into. It's incredibly controlled. Once in a while you get inklings, inklings of uh, other things happening where people like Kelly are killed or assassinated because he's about to disclose stuff at a big tri- tribunal to do with uh, various bacterial warfare uh, information. Uh, and we see stuff like that happening. And even that, of course, is covered up, and it's always an accident. They've had accidents in the past where people have committed suicide by shooting themselves five times in the head, and I'm not kidding about that. That's what goes down officially as history in, for instance, the United States. And Canada has its quiet ways of doing it too. All countries do have their, their dirty teams, and they have their wet jobs, and they've got dry jobs where they can actually kill you by a thousand other methods, if need be. And they all use that. So you're not living in this nice um, Disneyland that's projected to you 
where you're told to be a perpetual child, be happy forever, just go out and play, work, and be a good citizen, and carry out the duties of a citizen, obey government, and play. Uh, that's what they're telling you that life's all about, as far as you are concerned. And for most of the people concerned, that's good enough for them. For those who are trying to get to the truth, you can go through different layers of truth. Don't get stuck on any level, because there's so many of them. And don't just get stuck on what the media is prattling on about today, because any bits of truth that come through are really inadvertently there. And also, you remember too, there are certain things that you're not allowed to talk about anymore. It's just too dangerous, and it's against the law. Remember that. That's how the world really is today. That's what totalitarianism is. And it's a world that's under it now. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Actually, there's a caller from the UK bin holder on the line there, Daniel. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to Daniel now if he's there. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask um, a few questions, please. Um, the first one was about music. Now, um, I listen to classical music a lot, and it's been around hundreds of years, as you know. Um, I'm just wondering, were there any uh, famous composers who were influential um, masons or involved in, oh, yeah. you know, in the high echelons of society? Oh, definitely. Um, in fact, I think Beethoven uh, became one as well. Um, there's also the Magic Flute that was written. Um, uh, that's about masonry, if you ever go to see it, if you watch it. Uh, you'll see all the Masonic symbols in the background and even the the notes and the various way they, they put it on the, the music sheet too, are it's actually a, a kind of Masonic coding. So this is old stuff though. And um, at that period too, uh, when the classical age came in, um, it was the the end thing to become a Mason, Freemason, because revolution was the, the talk of the the, the, the era. Uh, a lot of um, the operas that first came out too. Uh, started off in Italy, and they were actually uh, promoting rebellion inside the operas. Some of them were banned at the time because of it, or banned in other countries when they went to play, because they were promoting revolution uh, through the opera, and it was all Masonic-led. Um, it hasn't stopped, mind you. I remember they had a, uh, a kind of um, a strange thing, uh, mu- musical put on in Canada, and it was uh, a few years ago, in fact, and uh, it was almost like a Celtic-type uh, theme they had in it, um, where you saw these people dancing, and they had pyramids behind them. And um, somebody who was not Celtic wrote the music score for it again, too. But again, it was very highly Masonic, and it also was about uh, uh, the superior types that should live through from age to age. That's really what it was about. I think it was Dance of Fire or something they called it. So, but anyway, so it's, music's always been used by Freemasonry, uh, all the arts have been used by Freemasonry, including the painters as well, uh, going back an awful long time. But definitely, yeah, yeah you, you'll, you'll find that with the... It's, it was almost, I think it's, oh, it's almost mandatory to become one 
um, to get up the ranks and have your work noticed at, at, in those particular time periods. And nothing has changed today, by the way. You don't have to be a mason to be in a, a group. Uh, the guys who manage you are all masons, um, and that's good enough. They, you just take orders from them. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, on the same theme of art and um, symbolism and that sort of thing, um, I was looking, after listening to one of your shows, I was looking through this, reaching to the CFR website, mm-hmm. and um, on one of the pages, there was a picture of um, like a meeting table on the program on international institutions and global governance. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the picture, um, it's because you, you, you talk about inner and outer circles, mm-hmm. and yep. you said that um, Quigley does as well. Yeah. And if you look at this picture um, on the website, it's a circular table with a picture of the globe in the middle, and mm-hmm. people sat around it. And then there's like a space, and then there's a secondary outer ring of people mm-hmm. on, on desks yeah. sat around it. So you've got inner circle and outer circle. And when I saw that, um, the first thing that sprung into mind was the... Um, GCHQ building at Cheltenham, you know the donut? Yes. Um, it looks exactly the same because it's got um, a ring mm-hmm. and then there's a, a secondary outer ring of buildings. Yes. And, and I thought, uh, it's the same as Stonehenge and um, even the UN uh, emblem is like a series of rings. Is there anything in all this? Oh, oh there is definitely. A, a, count all the, all the sections or segments that make up the UN logo. They've got it in a graph system. Count them up and look at the number you've got. Yeah. Right. And remember, too, it's surrounded again by the oak leaves for victory. Well, the UN was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, paid for and funded um, and by, again, our tax money via the Milner Organization um, to bring in world governments. And uh, that means to con- the oak leaf-, leaf is to conquer the world. It's not, it's not the olive branch. It's to conquer the world. And we should really take that seriously. That's the purpose of it, yeah. But, I mean, this inner and outer circle issue, is, is that actually, is that something significant? Yes, if you go through, if you go through the book uh, for the historian, the, from the historian for the Council of Foreign Relations, which is the Royal Institute of International Affairs, just the American branch, um, if you go into the Carl Quigley's The Anglo-American Establishment and Tragedy and Hope, he discusses uh, how this system was set up by Milner uh, and, and, of course, the, the Rhodes group that joined them and how they had their outer circle. He called it the outer circle, um, where they knew, they, they knew so much up to a certain degree, but then there was the inner circle that only met in All Souls College. Even today, uh, they're lifers, and they're given access to All Souls College's lifers, and they still meet there, uh, regardless of their age, to really go forward with the big, big plan. So to get into the, the inner circle is the highest honor they can have to get into the higher reasons for what they've been doing so far. Yeah. And is that why they build these buildings like UCHQ in this circle with outer rings around it? Yes, it's also highly Masonic too. It's ancient, as you say, um, because in, in a Freemasonry, you know that you have uh, the cord or the rope around your neck, and that signifies your tow rope. Another, it's also uh, tow the line and all that. That all comes from Freemasonry, but it signifies how uh, that you, from a point in a circle, can go around in a circle and for the outer circumference. That's the only length that you can go to. But hold on, and we'll go into that when I come back from this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, talking to Daniel from the UK. And I was talking about the Masons and their circles and so on. And the, even, the, as I say, the tie, or that's why you get a necktie from as well. That's a Masonic symbol. It's, that's why it's called a tie. It ties you to that spot. You're tied and bound to uh, the, the lodge, basically. And um, that's what Albert Pike referred to as even those Masons who do not know they are. That's those people in the system, working for the system, uh, that are doing all the things that the higher Masons would want you to do without initiation. But your toe rope really signifies the length of your understanding. And of course, the wider the circle, it can be, be, uh, can be, you can subscribe uh, across in a circle with that toe rope, the more your understanding. But then you have interlacing circles as well. And that was the different associations and higher lodges that you could possibly get into if you had the right stuff. But um, uh, it's, it's fascinating to realize how much masonry is really inside the language of each country, and definitely in the English language. So many of the sayings that they have are even out of the Masonic initiations. So um, it's alive and well. It's always been alive and well, but it's a degreed system. Um, I should also mention, too, that, that at one time, uh, when when the Masons were coming out, when the, the classical era was in, uh, that's when they came out with the forms of necktie. And the, the, the necktie at one time used to be tied in a bow, uh, that meant, you, you, that meant you're, you're, you reached the Grand Master stage because at that time you bowed to the Grand Master. So bow and bow were the same things. And then the two bits came down from the, to that time when you tied it. You had two pieces coming down. would be at a, a, the, generally a 45 or even sometimes 60 degree angle. You'll see that on solicitors in England, the, the people who are working the courts in England. So this is all purely Freemasonic. And... Um, as I say, that's the thing to do with your circles. Now, it's also mentioned with the higher circles in the Milner Royal Institute of International Affairs groups. They talk about uh, interweaving circles. And once you, even before you get up the top uh, of uh, acceptance into, as I say, All Souls College, you have to interact with other circles, higher levels of understanding. So your toe rope, you might say, is becoming longer and longer if you've got the right stuff. All these things interconnect, and then they have the round table societies as well, where they hammer out all the problems for the think tanks. How can they implement policies across the world? Uh, how, what media should they use to get it across to the general public and get the public to accept it? So uh, this is all a very ancient art, of course, of true governance, economic, military, uh, social, academic, uh, and so on, all the way right down the, the board. Yeah. It goes back how long, you think? Well, Freemasonry um, definitely uh, pre-existed the, the 1700s when they claimed it came into, into being as Freemasonry. Um, Can I just ask something? Because um, I've been trying to read up about um, the Sumerians and, and Babylon and this, and um, it's not a coincidence that the MI6 building is modelled on the ziggurat, is it? No, it's, it's not a, a, a coincidence at all. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, this is a, an amazing thing. Um, but even when the Rosicrucians broke out in, in the, the 1500s and the 1600s, um, they really were uh, this same organization coming out with yet another name before they gave it the name Freemasonry. 
it was the, the Rosicrucians because there were more people at that time still Christian um, in Europe, for instance, and so they had to give it, have a, a kind of Christian-y, Christian-y sound, the, the Rosy Cross. But the Rosy Cross was also used um, as a fiery cross. We mustn't forget that too. It could either be a pleasant thing to look at or it could be something you could be burned upon. And dub- all, everything's got double meanings within their symbols um, because it's based again on, on opposites in Kabbalah and so on. Very ancient. And even if you go into Budgie's, he was the main translator for the Egyptian um, museum. Sir Wallace Budge, he talks about how he had found, by perusing so much uh, ancient Egyptian um, trans- stuff and for translation, that he came to the conclusion that, there, that definitely Kabbalah, uh, in its early form, not, not the, the 15th century uh, later form, because they only really finished it in the 15th century, but early Kabbalah was actually in existence in ancient Egypt, uh, maybe about 500, 600 BC. So, so I was going to ask you do, you, do you think that the ruling elites now can actually trace their blood back to, you know, Babylon and Samaria and, and that sort of time? Do you think they've actually got direct links? I am certain that certain ones of them do. Absolutely. Do you think that's why they see themselves more as pharaohs and gods than, than people, don't they? That's why they're so... Um, yeah. obsessed with, with ruling. Is that what it is? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even in, even in the Pharaoh's day, they had massive genealogies then, going back thousands of years. And that's never changed in all of the Mideast countries. Genealogies are incredibly important. Um, even within Judaism and high Judaism, uh, they're, they're fanatical about keeping records uh, going back for, for hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand, maybe further, so many years. Absolute fanatical about it. Um, so... There's no doubt whatsoever, genealogies, are, even the Bibles, they, they gave you the Old Testament. I mean, half of it is begatting, who begats who? So who's, who, which lineage do you come from? It's so important to them, um, even in those days, and it hasn't really changed. Uh, most people, mind you, don't even know who their great-great-great-grandparents were, but these characters at the top certainly do, because they say power and money um has always made sure of its own perpetuity, its, its own survival down through the ages, regardless of conditions. Uh, they must always survive. That has never changed to this present day. Yeah. And, and is, is this why um, they've, they, they breed with common stock now and then? For example, you've got Kate Middleton and this Mike Tyndall, who's marrying yeah. Zara and Fergie. Yeah, and don't, don't, forget to, don't forget that Kate Middleton, too, uh, as she's the seventh or eighth cousin removed from George Washington, eh? Which one's that? That's Middleton. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is they, they have to mix the blood, otherwise they become inbred like Charles. That, America, that, don't well, I don't know if you remember when Prince Charles was getting married, but uh, it was over the mainstream news media at that time with the cartoons. They called them Noddy at the time, you know, in the cartoons. And they talked about him or, uh, marrying... Um, Oh, sorry, he was big years and she was naughty. That, that was Spencer. And they, they said mainstream at the time it was because it was obvious in Charles that through too much inbreeding they were de- degenerating physically. And so by bringing new blood in, uh, this would uh, help to uh, spread the gene pool a bit and, and maybe negate the terrible... I mean, if you look at Prince Charles, he looks, he looks like Akhenaten. <laughs> He's got the big ears... He's got the scrawny long neck, you know, he's got big hips. Uh, yeah, it's, that's inbreeding, yeah. And so the, the off, 
offspring, like Fergie's offspring now, they'll probably be married off to the aristocracy, won't they? They won't be allowed to have sort of common um, spouses, will they? No, they they won't be. Now, you'll find too, um, it was one of the few things that was true in the, in the, the Jack the Ripper movie they put out a few years back there, uh, the, the royal physician was also the royal abortionist. Because, you see, it isn't just kings and queens. They have hundreds of cousins who also have entitlement to the throne down the line. And they act as, uh, these particular physicians act as royal abortionists when they go a bit um, astray, you might say, with commoners. They go behind them and clean up their mess. And they were doing that in the 1700s, 1800s, and so on, you know, to the present time, yeah. I understand. Yeah, no, it's quite, um, it gets bigger and bigger, really, the subject. It doesn't really, it just gets bigger and bigger. And just yeah. one more thing before I go. Um, did you see the article? It was actually in, um, in the Sun that they've started teaching atheism in schools over here now. Yes, I, I have. I knew that would come, though, because um, the guy who set up UNESCO was, was Aldous Huxley's brother, and his brother was um, uh, adamant that they'd have to eventually eliminate all religion and then eventually bring in uh, secular humanism, uh, the humanistic values. Now, secular humanism is a religion, actually, and it doesn't, the, the ones who promote it never mention that, but uh, it is a, it's a belief system. But it doesn't surprise me at all, because um, from the 1500s onwards, even when Rosicrucianism came to the, to the fore, uh, their mission at that time was to destroy, and then you would take centuries, uh, the, the prevailing uh, religions. Uh, and they've been very, very good at that. And that's still promoted down through Freemasonry today. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, did you know anything about the um, Barcelona project or the Mediterranean project to uh, amalgamate northern Africa with um, the Mediterranean? Because I thought um, it's something not many people know about, and um, I thought that maybe this business we're seeing in North Africa now mm-hmm. is part of that, because now we're going to see a massive influx from north to south, um, from south yeah. to north. You're right. Under, again, the United Nations policies for regionalism, they, they, they've given out information on what, what countries will be merged with what other countries. They've even put Canada along with Norway and Greenland and so on for the time is coming ahead as they, as they basically um, divide up the countries into little regions and segments and probably sell them off too. I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. Um, so that falls in with the policy of, uh, as I said, United Nations regionalism. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. Thanks for, um, thanks for your help. Uh, thanks for calling. But, yeah, it's fascinating, as I say, the reality that we have versus the, uh, the, um, the actual truth. The truth is the hardest thing to find, and even when you do, um, it's in the odd book here or there where a little paragraph stands out and something is, is, is mentioned when you're half asleep with the darn book. Um, and that's a trick, you know, that's, that's a trick of how it's written. Uh, but if you look again at Freemasonry is based, um, definitely in the West, uh, upon, um, what's called the Old Testament. And if the Old Testament is read properly, because there's always an esoteric and an exoteric way of it, it's a how-to book, really, on how to survive, not just as a people, but, uh, I mean, to survive and prosper by using cunning tricks. There's so many cunning tricks that even God approves of, you see, uh, that it's astonishing when you compare it, for instance, with Christianity, which is kind of the opposite. Um, and if Jacob even fools his, his old daddy to get the blessing, for instance, and that's okay by God. 
Um, uh, one of the main characters in the Old Testament uh, gives his wife to Pharaoh, pretending she's like a, a hooker. And once he, then, then he tells Pharaoh that that's actually my wife, and he gets rewarded for it because it was against the law to do that. So he basically got the big reward for for um, his wife sleeping with Pharaoh. It's, a, it's full of these little things like that. And it's also full of, of how people can be tricked and populations can be tricked as well. And that's why it's used in Freemasonry uh, on the esoteric level. It's quite fascinating uh, to go into that kind of study to see how you can learn to be a dominant um, people or species or club or group like Freemasonry. And Freemasonry, definitely, once you go up the high degrees, you'll find nothing but uh, uh, disdain for the ordinary base people down below who are not in Freemasonry and even disdain for lower Masons who haven't got up to the high degrees. Uh, they, they chat like, like arrogant fools to each other and how how clever they are up in the higher degrees. Bill Cooper had uh, an interview with one who had been a 33rd or 32nd degree Freemason. I don't, I don't know if it's up on YouTube, but if it's up there, it's worth reading, uh, listening to because the guy said that exactly what I've just told you, that there's such a, so much elitism and pomposity amongst them as though they're the, the top of the, line, the lineage. And in reality, a lot of them just paid their way up there. Some of them can even uh, pay their way up through the degrees if you've got enough cash to do it very, very quickly, even in a few weeks, even in a couple of weeks. So money rules it all. Now, as I say, getting back to even the, the rubbish that's been put out by the media now, the same media that you're supposed to trust after it lies to you uh, when there's fake uh, pandemics coming out, just to get uh, millions of dollars worth of flu shots moved and to your government to sign on with it. And then when something real happens, they can all clam up, pretend it's not there. Uh, why would you ever trust them again on anything? I hope you all take your, your lesson from that. And Professor Anthony Sutton talked about the three levels of, of media reality. And, and one of them was the basic one, your everyday rubbish put out by the mainstream. And then he went into revisionist history as the next level, where those who know things are not jiving, events in the world are not jiving with this, this mainstream view of things. They try and work out what's really going on, but they're still dependent upon the initial newspapers that were put out in the first place, you see. And so supposing you have a false promise to start, a premise to start with, then everything you, you try and get from that or, or argue around is all going to be false. And then there, there's, there's the investigative history or historians who go into the older books to find out the, the bits and pieces of long-term agendas. And you can certainly find them out because they're, in, they're out there. They're, they're disappearing fast, mind you. The libraries are dumping books. Not all of it's going on e-books, believe you me. And a lot of them that are going in e-books are not the, the full editions. You know, I often wonder why they call things full editions. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's interesting, as I say, um, how things are changing so fast now because the new world order is here and they're already selling off to corporations chunks of England uh, as harbors and bases and all the rest of it then the new world order is obviously obviously here and the US alone if you go into uh, the Chinese companies for instance who are taking over more parts of the US they've actually got sovereign status and, and their own customs status that's not a new thing that goes back to FDR he was a guy who said that this free trade thing for America would be great. And he started that way back when he got in and gave them the sovereign status to actually come in and basically rule the little area like a kingdom. 
And China has recently got one new place. Uh, uh, it's got a river in it and everything. I mean, it's, that's America has been sold off. We're kept in the dark like mushrooms, as I say. Now, one of these articles I'm going to read too is one of the predictive programming articles to show you how it works because we've already read on this particular program or broadcast, I'll call it, because I'm not wanting to program you at all, uh, that um, you basically are taught and trained without knowing it for things to come. And I remember when, uh, when reading a book on Lenin, and Lenin says, we shall win by slogans. Well, in other words, repetition of the same words, like weapons of mass destruction, or when Bush was in, it was, uh, it was invading countries to bring them freedom and democracy, which now they're still using under Obama, of course. Why, why throw out a good slogan, you see? Um, then it's the same thing when they give you articles which are pushing on a certain topic to give up more and more rights and to get you used to you or ready to be ruled by experts. And this one comes from England. And it's, it's lying right from the beginning, this article. It was from March 9th, the 9th, and it says, uh, Chichley, England, to, to the quiet green solitude of an English country estate, they retreated to think the unthinkable. It's written like a poor novel. You see, it's definitely a public relations exercise. Scientists of the air, sea, and sky, scholars of law, politics, and philosophy. In three intense days, cloistered behind Chichley Hall's old brick walls, four dozen thinkers pondered on the planet's fate as it grows warmer. So there's a premise right there that's not true. Weighed the idea of reflecting sun to cool the atmosphere and debated the question of who would make the decision to interfere with nature to try to save the planet. This isn't the first meeting. That one last year in the U.S., which I read on the air. But you're not supposed to remember that one. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, reading this awful article of predictive programming, which lies from its beginning because it pretends it's the first main meeting of these high hootspurs, you know, the guys, the great scientists, scientists all, they kind of bring us the nuclear disasters and stuff like that, they're going to save the planet, you see, by causing global dimming, global dimming, you see, mentioned that a few years back too, we had already debated that, so... Global dimming means filling the particles, uh, particles of the sky with these particles of metals and so on, actually mirrors, and uh, and blocking sunlight hitting the earth and all that kind of stuff. Sulfur and all they're talking about, which is it's great for health, breathing in sulfur, for those who have maybe tried it. But um, this is the rubbish that they're putting out. So I won't read all of this and how they're really in a, a, qualm, a quandary over, oh, should we do this or should we not to save the world that might end in 50 years if we don't? Oh, my God, all that rubbish. But then one of the, the, the things that come out of it, too, is, is because of the global dimming they want to cause. Like these guys obviously are low-level guys because they don't know it's been going on daily since 1998. And actually, it's tested out back in the 50s and 60s all through, but daily since 1998 when they started spraying all the countries on pretty well a daily basis. I guess they haven't looked up, these guys, these experts, eh? Uh, but one of the, the, the things that come out of this is a little quote. It says, we may never again see the blue sky. I haven't seen a proper blue sky since about 1998. You always got this white tinge around the horizon, even when you think it's fairly clear, and the little half chemtrails and full chemtrails all over the place. Even after a rainstorm, they're still up there. 
And uh, it's maybe we should, we should tell these professional guys, these experts that are going to save us all what's really been happening, or tell them to kick themselves up the stairs a bit, a bit to find out the reality of, of who's really doing it, because they seem to have no clue whatsoever. In other words, it's a predictive programming thing. The thing's already underway, for, has been for years, it's been happening for years, and this is just to get you, get the, the vast unwashed masses who are generally ignorant of it, uh, used to the idea that it's coming. So that one day they'll say, by the way, we're doing it now, and they'll think, well, I guess that's okay, you know. That's how it's done. So we're kept in the dark at the mushroom level, and the world is run completely different from anything the mainstream is going to tell you. It's not that the mainstream either. Most reporters in that are given handouts on things to put in their papers. They're not real reporters anymore. And even if they came up with something of real interest to the public, they have to go through their their editors for censorship and so on. Yes, you can print that. No, you can't print that. Things are that tight. There's no such a thing. No such thing out there as a free press. I don't think there ever truly was. Maybe small local papers at one time. But even they are all compromised. They all look to the big boys for and just copy the information that's put down from above. Exactly as Rockefeller and his group and Gould and all the rest of them said back in the 1920s. That's what was done then. So all you can do is do your own thinking for yourself. And when things don't seem to make any sense, like why would you up, up the radiation levels for safe? where the now, the now new low levels for safe are into the lethal last levels for, for, for maximum. So that, just think for yourself and should tell you all you need to know. You're not going to be told the truth under any kind of crisis management, and crisis management has been in effect uh, long before 9-11, but definitely uh, 100% since 9-11, pretty well across the rest of the world. Not because of the bombings, but to get the new world order rammed through. They've been planning this for centuries. They can't go back now. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>